All right, how's everybody doing? You doing okay? Those of you who have kids, summer has set in. Are you ready for it? Are you in the groove of it? You going? Those of you who are not in that zone, do you feel summer? Does it feel different? It does to me already. I don't know if it's the rain that's kicked in, the humidity, whatever, but it feels different. It feels like summer. Um, and with that, uh, how many of you try during the summer to maybe pick up an extra book, you know, maybe sit, you know, on the back, you know, chair in the back room or whatever and read a little more? Anyone try to read a little bit more? Karen, I know you do. Uh, maybe I was thinking about you when I was writing all this down. Um, you know, some of us try to pick up an extra book during the summer. Do you guys like to read a little bit? How many of you enjoy reading a book the second time, like you read a good book and you hang out there for a minute and then you're happy maybe a year or something later to go back and read it again. Anyone? I do because the kind of books I read uh, usually have happy endings, right? Uh, they're usually about people who uh, kind of become my friends. I feel like I'm hanging out with people at the end. And when I know the end of the story, when I go back and read the book for the second time, I actually get to kind of you know, take a breath and enjoy the people and savor the sweet moments in the story because I know the end. I'm not trying to figure it out, right? And so uh, this morning, uh, that's kind of what we're going to do. We're going to talk about uh, reading a book. How many of you would say that the Bible maybe is a good book to read? Like, right? We're here. I'm thinking that maybe we all could agree upon the Bible being an okay book to read. And how many of you would say that reading the Bible more than once, maybe not all the way from beginning to end, but at least pieces, sections of the Bible more than one time is probably a good idea, right? Um, were you told as a child that you had to, right? So you could, you know, stay close and not you know, drift far from God kind of thing. Reading the Bible is a great thing. I love my Bible. I love it. How many of you would also say that sometimes, you don't have to raise your hand for this one, sometimes it's hard to read the Bible. Sometimes it becomes more like a chore than a privilege, right? Anyone ever, again, don't have to raise your hands, it's okay. I'll raise mine for you. I'll take on the awkward moment and say that there have been times when my Bible has gotten a little dusty on the top. It's there by my bedside, all good intentions, but maybe, you know, a week or two has gone by and it gets a little dusty. And what I want to do this morning is talk about, I just want to just kind of kick back for a minute and give you a little bit of advice, something that I have found, a couple of things that I have found that have helped me brush the dust off of my Bible and actually find it, find some new life in there and something exciting. And, and what I wish is that we were uh, sitting across from each other at, at our favorite restaurant or our favorite coffee shop, or Alan and I have this great back porch where these there are these uh, two white couches where we've sat with friends and discussed all kinds of 
manners and, you know, things that are going on in the world and learned about each other. And I wish we could be doing that. I wish we were just hanging out at our coffee shop. And while I totally understand that this table and this cup that actually has coffee in it, um, that I'm really hoping I don't spill, but this, I'm hoping, I know this doesn't create that atmosphere for us, but it is a nod to it. It is something that I wish we could just be sitting across from each other and you could ask me questions and I could ask you questions and we could just talk about how together we can brush off this thing that is called the Bible and find some new really cool ways to read it or, or things in it that we found exciting. But we can't do that, so this nod is all we're going to get. Um, so these two pieces of advice that I have, just kind of quick off the bat, one, reading your Bible. Um, how many of you have had the same Bible for years and years and years and years? And it's all marked up and it's all underlined and it's rough around the edges. I have one of those too. I love it. It's my favorite. I, I, I know like where to find, I know on what side of the page a certain note is in a certain section, right? I've, I've written dates beside it. So, so when I underline it, I write the date and I can go, oh, I know what I was going through when that verse was important, right? But what I found recently, this is just a little trick. Uh, how many of you have picked up the Passion Bible? Passion Bible's awesome. If you haven't, it is great because it, it takes this, this book that, you know, was written thousands of years ago, right, in foreign languages to people who had no idea what we would be going through, right? They had no idea. They were human, and so some of the things we've gone through are the same. Are they popping balloons over there? What are they doing? <laughs> um, I love that. Uh, but... but um, so it takes this book, the Passion Translation, takes this Bible that we've read and underlined and written notes in, and it puts it in language that feels more like how you and I would talk. Like if I were to write a letter to you, Passion Translation feels like Paul's writing that letter to me, right? So try something new. Change it up a little bit. If you normally study like big chunks of the Bible at a time, maybe, maybe go smaller chunks and look up words. Uh, if you normally, you know, only take a few verses at a time, read a whole chapter or a whole book at one sitting, it just kind of changes things. So when we change things up a little bit, it helps. Passion translation, great. Uh, the other thing is that um, always, always read the Bible with the end of the story in mind, Right? So just like when I read a book for the second time and I can slow down and savor those moments, when I read my Bible, when you read your Bible, slow down, savor those moments because you know the end of the story, right? And another way to say that is uh, this whole idea of good news and good advice. Years ago, uh, Clark was talking, he was speaking on, um, on a Sunday morning, and he told us a story about a friend of his, or a, or a kind of a mentor, who asked him, son, Clark was young at the time, son, do you preach good advice, or do you preach good news? And Clark kind of like tried to, you know, give an answer and humbly, you know, gave his answer. And the, the, the mentor, the guy said, it's good to preach good advice, keep doing it, but always, always end with good news. Good advice doesn't change people, good news is the only thing that does that. 
And so when we're reading our Bibles, we're keeping the good news in the forefront. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to put a little bit of those two things into practice. We are going to read some out of the Passion Translation, or actually I'm going to read to you, okay? I'm, we're not going to have the scriptures on the, on the boards. You're going to have to just listen, all right? And um, we're going to look at some good news and some good advice. Now, if it sounds weird to you to think about, you know, saying that some of the things in the Bible are good advice, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll get there and I'll explain what I mean by that, okay? We, in no way um, am I going to try to diminish what the Bible has to say to us. And actually, for the next couple of weeks, Matt and Clark and I, or Matt and Clark are going to do, do the same thing. They're going to go over some good news and some good advice. So hopefully we can just kind of kick back for a minute and have some fun with this. But before we get too far along the way, let me explain to you uh, what I mean by good news and good advice. For me, this is kind of my own definition, it's the way I think about it, good news is that um, it's who God is, all right? Good news is who God is. It is what he's done, and it's who we are in him. Who God is, what he's done, and who we are. Good advice, then, would be um, good advice is given by a trusted source, right? Uh, maybe some good advice is given by somebody you don't know or you don't trust, but you're always going to be a little like nah, hesitant going in. But if you know the source, if you know the source is good and the source is trusted, right, it's going to be easier to take their advice. Good advice tells us what we're supposed to do. It's not about what God does. It's about what we do, what our responsibility is. And it always, good advice always coincides complements or connects to, coincides, complements, or connects to the good news. You're not going to get good advice that doesn't coincide with the good news of the gospel, right? And with these thoughts in mind, we're going to spend a few minutes um, in Ephesians trying to find um, out how all this works to make some sense of this. And I chose Ephesians because you really can sit down and read it in one setting. I mean, you can just sit down, you can read it. It's super encouraging when you do that way, and I just love the way the Passion uh, Translation uh, has, has interpreted these, these verses. Now, before we start on that, though, I just real quickly, I want you guys to set your minds to Ephesus, okay, to who Paul was writing this letter to. It was 60 to 62 AD, Paul was writing from prison, all right, at the time, Ephesus, it was, it's, the city is located in, in the, kind of the center region of what is modern-day Turkey. Ephesus was the second largest city um, in the known world at the time, second only to Rome. It had about 250,000 people living in it. Now, while that may not seem like a lot of people, 250,000 people without plumbing. It's a lot of people. 250,000 people without Publix, right? Without Chick-fil-A. Like, it's a lot. That's a lot of people in one place. They had a theater that could seat about 25,000 people where they would, you know, watch beasts fighting beasts and beasts fighting people, right? Kind of harsh environment. No plumbing, beasts fighting people for reals, not just on screens like we watch it today, right? Uh, 
There were shrines all over the city to this God and that God that you could stop and worship at any time. And so I want you to put yourself in that setting. Paul had visited the city a couple of times, once for just a couple of days, and then he left and he ran around and did some other things, and then he came back, and he spent about three and a half years with them. So, so some of them in that city had heard the good news of the gospel from Paul. And it's also the city, I love this part because it has nothing to do with what we're talking today, but I just love little tidbits. Um, it's also the city where uh, it is believed that John, after he received the revelation, right, where John went to and lived out his days, uh, was in the city of Ephesus. So this is where we are. We're, we're, in a, we're in a room. We've heard that our friend Paul has written us a letter, and we haven't seen him in ages. He's in prison. Surely what he has to say is going to be helpful to us, and it's going to offer us hope, right? Because we know Paul. And so if you will, just listen for a minute while I read a few verses from Ephesians 1, 1 through 8. Paul writes, Dear friends, my name is Paul. Oh, by the way, I forgot to do that for myself. My name is Leslie, in case you're new here. My name is Leslie. Hi. Nice to, nice to meet you guys. Um, normally I'm in with the kids, so, uh, but I'm so happy to be here today. All right. Dear friends, my name is Paul, and I was chosen by God to be an apostle of Jesus, the Messiah. I'm writing this letter to all the devoted believers who have been made holy by being one with Jesus, the anointed one. May God himself, the heavenly father of our Lord Jesus Christ, release grace over you and impart total well-being into your lives. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly father, the father of our Lord Jesus, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all of our hearts. And in love, he chose us before he laid the foundation of the universe. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with unstained innocence. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children. Through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. For the same love he has for the beloved Jesus, he has for us. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. Since we are now joined to Christ, we have been given the treasures of the redemption of his blood, the total cancellation of our sins, all because of the cascading riches of grace. This superabundant grace is already, already powerfully working in us, releasing all forms of wisdom and practical understanding. Oh my goodness, in those few verses, there is more good news there than we can handle. <laughs> right? And it's only, it's only part of what Paul has to say there. I, I read you 1 through 8, actually 3 through about 14, the verses 3 through 14, it's all one sentence. Paul's words were coming out of him so quickly, he didn't have time for punctuation. I mean, it just was rolling and rolling, right? He was just going, gushing, cascading with his good news that he offers us in these verses. 
And so what I want to do now is let's look at a few of those things. We're going to pull out, we'll put a few of the things on the board, but I'm going to just read off some of the good things, some of the good news. Remember, it's about what, who God is, what he's done, and who we are in him. So the good news is Jesus is the Messiah. That's really good news, right? Really good news. We've been made holy. Good news. We are one with Jesus. Jesus is the anointed one. God is our heavenly father. Every spiritual blessing, every spiritual blessing has already been lavished upon us. We're wrapped into Christ. He's chosen us, ordained us because of his love. We're holy in his eyes. We're un- we are the unstained innocent. You are the unstained innocent. No matter what your past is, no matter what you did last night, you are the unstained innocent. That is extremely good news, isn't it? He has a perfect plan. He's adopted us. He's adopted us as his delightful children. Do you remember that? How many of you went, delightful children? You know, those of you who have children right now are like, what is a delightful child? I don't know. You know, we're his delightful children. He redeemed us. He's canceled our sin. We're in union with Jesus, and superabundant grace is working in us. That, again, I'm out of breath, is good good news. And none of that that I just read has anything to do with what we have to do. There's nothing we have to do to get all of that. Belief, receive. There's nothing. He's given it to us, right? But what does Paul, as our trusted advisor who was chosen by God, tell us to do in these verses? Inherently, He's telling us to believe and receive, right? He doesn't necessarily say those words, but he's telling us these things. He's reminding his friends that he spent three and a half years with in Ephesus. He's reminding them of all of this. And he's, he's asking us to remember. And then he says, celebrate. <laughs> celebrate him. This is why we celebrate God, because we can remember the good news that he has shared, right? And it's certainly celebrating him, being good receivers, remembering, certainly coincides, right, with, and complements and connects us to the good news. But let's keep going because Ephesians, like I said, is chock full of this good news and this good advice. We're going to skip ahead to Ephesians 4, uh, 1 through 6. And again, just listen as those in Ephesus had to. So long ago, they didn't have the privilege of the screen, right? So just listen. I think there's something to it. Paul says, as a prisoner of the Lord, which he literally was because he was in prison, I plead with you to walk holy in a way that is suitable to your high rank, given to you in your divine calling, with tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate gentleness and generous love toward one another especially toward those who may try your patience. Paul knew something about people, didn't he? Be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you in the bonds of peace, being one body and one spirit as you were called into the same glorious hope of divine destiny. For the Lord God is one, and so are we, For we share in one faith, one baptism, and one Father, and he is the perfect Father who leads us all, works through us all, 
and lives in us all. All right, did you hear any good news in there? Did you hear any good news? There was a lot of good news in there. The good news, the few that we'll put up on the board, we've been given a, we've been given, given a divine calling or rank. We didn't earn it. We've been given. We're called to a glorious hope, a divine destiny. What is it you're fighting this morning? What is it that's hard? What is it you'd rather not be facing? What challenges are out there? Something making you afraid? Guess what? We are called to a glorious hope of divine destiny in spite, despite whatever that may be. And God is one, and so are we. Not only is he one in us, but we are one together. We have folks <laughs> that we can walk through those things with, that we can share with. Oh, speaking of sharing, we share in one faith, one baptism, and one father. He is a perfect father. He leads us. Anybody have any questions about what to do next? Not know where you're going? Not know how you're getting there? Not know who you're going with? Oh, I have good news for you. God leads us. He works through us. Anybody mess up this week? Ugh, I hate it when I mess up. But you know what? Somehow there's really good news that even when we mess up, God is still working through us. That is such good news that we can take home and we can bank on. And God lives in us all. He lives in us. Take that to the bank, guys. Don't just take it to the bank. Use it. <laughs> Spend it. Right? That's such good news. Good advice in this, this little section, what I would call good advice, walk holy. Now, some of you may be going, wait a minute. That sounds a lot like a command, not like advice. And they're different, right? Walking holy isn't a choice, is it? I don't know, put a question mark by your Bible. Here's my thought on it. Walking holy, it's good advice because of the good news. The good news is he made us holy. <laughs> we are holy. The good advice is to walk that way, live that way, remember it. If you walk around feeling like a scumbag, guess what you're probably gonna act like? If you walk around remembering, whew, God made me holy, I'm thinking we're going to act differently. I'm thinking maybe we can have tender humility and quiet patience. Neither tender nor quiet or anything that come naturally to me, no matter what it's attached to. Right? Tender is not my jam. Quiet is not my jam. I don't know how to do those things. But tender humility, quiet patience are going to come a lot more easily to us when we remember that he is the one that made us holy. Right? Demonst oh, here's another word that I have no idea how to do. Demonstrate gentleness and generous love. Again, with tender mercy, with those who 
guys, some of you, some of the people out there are difficult. Some of the people right here were difficult. But God has given us all that he's given us. And it is him leading us and working through us and helping us walk out this thing that we have. Right? We have it. I don't have to conjure gentleness. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how. I can watch some of you and learn a little. I don't know how to do it, but God does, and that's okay. He's leading me. He's guiding me. He's in me. And I can take a breath, and I can take a sip of coffee, and I can calm down, <laughs> right? Be filled with faith. Who gives you the faith? Where does the faith come from? God. Just be filled with it. Guard the harmony of the Spirit in peace. That is so hard sometimes, to guard harmony. Like, we tend to fight with each other a little bit, right? Anybody fight in the car on the way here? Again, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. We used to all the time when we were little. Somebody would fight in the car on the way here. It's good advice to do all of these things. It's good advice. It's good. But how many of us know that we fail, right? No matter how hard we try, we fail. But it's okay because it's God working in and through us. And can I sneak in a little piece of my own advice here, just another little piece? What I think, the way, I, the, way, the way this has worked out in my brain, is that when we lead with the good advice, when that's the thing that we lead with, it actually creates a space for us to try all of that other stuff. Because the way it works in me is if you tell me to do something, if you command me, if you say, do this or do that, you're going to get probably one of two responses from me. One, if I know it's something I cannot do, I probably won't try. Right? If you say, hey, do this, and I know I can't, I probably won't try. Or if I have this smallest thought like, oh, I can do that, I'll work myself into the ground trying to do it. Right? And just like Lauren said this morning, that doesn't work. It doesn't work. Me trying harder doesn't always work. Or me, you know, going into numbness, sitting on the couch watching, I won't tell you, <laughs> Hallmark movies in case your mind went somewhere where it shouldn't have, watching stupid Hallmark movies because I don't want to deal with anything else in life, right? There's nothing more numbing than that, right? Maybe others of you have tried other stuff. That's not what I've tried, though. Anyway, we're, I digress. If we lead with the good news, if we lead with that, it's going to create a space where we can try out some gentleness, where we can try out patience, where we can try out harmony with each other, right? Okay, let's keep going. Ephesians 4, 30 through 32. The Holy Spirit of God has sealed you in Jesus Christ. Okay, now start listening for the good news. The Holy Spirit of God has sealed you in Christ Jesus until you experience your full salvation. So never grieve the Spirit of God or take for granted his holy influence in your life. Lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums, revenge, profanity, and insults. But instead, be kind to one another. Be kind and affectionate toward one another. Has God graciously forgiven you? then graciously 
forgive one another in Christ's, in the depths of Christ's love. What good news did you hear there? Did you hear some? Did you hear that the Holy Spirit has sealed you in Jesus? The Holy Spirit has sealed you like there's no getting out. He sealed you in Jesus. And God has graciously forgiven you. I love the little trinity that just happened there. Holy Spirit sealed you in Jesus and God has forgiven you. I love that little moment. What good advice did you hear? Don't grieve the Holy Spirit or take him for granted. The Greek in there is, is, is it, it is the grieve kind of like we would know it, make sad. The Aramaic, like if you translated it in the Aramaic language, it's more of that don't take for granted the Holy Spirit. Don't take, the Holy Spirit's there. <laughs> don't miss it. That's really, really good advice. Remember that he's there. Remember that he's with you. Some more good advice that is sometimes harder than others. Lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums. Did you just picture it? Revenge, profanity, and insults. So easy to get stuck there sometimes, right? When we've been hurt, when people we loved and trusted hurt us, it's so easy to hold on to bitter words and unforgiveness and to send out <laughs> profanities and insults. Ah, but Paul is telling us to lay those aside. He's telling us to be kind and affectionate and to forgive one another. What would happen if we all took this great advice? Wouldn't the world be a better place? It would be better. But even if we can't, guess what? Awesome sauce. God has forgiven us graciously. And don't you think that when we lead with understanding that God has forgiven us graciously, doesn't that give us space to, to try out forgiving too? To let go some of the fear that keeps us in unforgiveness? It's fear that keeps us away from forgiveness. It's fear. We're afraid that if we open up, our wounds are going to be exposed and we're going to hurt all over again. We're afraid that if we forgive, they're not going to get what they deserve. Right? We're afraid. But God said, ah, oh, child, desired one, I forgave you. Give it a shot. It'll feel better. Right? Your life will be better. It's really good advice. So we've only got one more little section of scripture that we're going to go to, but we're going to skip all of Ephesians chapter 5. If you haven't read it recently, man, does it have some good advice in there. So much good advice, including my personal favorite, uh, which I tell my kids all the time. Um, it says in there, do not live foolishly. Or in Mama Leslie's translation, don't be dumb. Every time my kids are getting ready to leave the house, now especially that one is driving, don't be dumb. Like, that covers a whole mess of stuff, right? Like, a whole lot. Don't be dumb. I should have titled this uh, thing today, Don't Be Dumb, right? Because that is probably about the best advice I could give you. Uh, live your life and don't be dumb. Um, it, it talks about wives being devoted to your husbands, about husbands loving your wives, children obeying your parents, employees working hard, employers being good employers, taking care of your people. Now, 
all of that amazing advice. But once again, how many of us know that we're going to fail at that no matter how hard we try? Anyone struggling in their marriage? Anyone divorced? Anyone ever disobeyed your parents um, because you knew what they were telling you? Ah, wasn't the best thing for you? Only as you grow older, not when you're young. Um, okay, you don't, dis don't disobey your parents when you're young. Right, maybe when you're older, mama gives you some advice, and you're like, oh, mom, I don't know. Right? How many of you have ever quit a job? Fired somebody? Like, there comes a time when this advice, as good as it is, is a struggle here on earth. It's a struggle. Doesn't make it bad advice, doesn't make it something we should try and, and like I said, lean into good news and try to get done. But sometimes there are things that happen in this life that supersede that good advice. But can I tell you what the really good news is? Nothing, nothing will ever supersede the good news. Nothing will. That God is in us, leading us, perfecting us, I, like all of that stuff. That is really good news, again, that we can not only bank on, but we can act on. And that's what we're going to talk about right here in our last little section. Ephesians 6, 13 through 18. Because of this, we mu you must all wear the armor that God provides so that you're protected as you confront the slanderer. For you are destined for all things and will rise victorious. Put on truth as a belt to strengthen you as you stand in triumph. Put on holiness as the protective armor that covers your heart. Stand on your feet. Then you will always be ready to share the blessings of peace. In every battle, take faith as your wraparound shield, for it is able to extinguish the blazing arrows coming at you from the evil one. Embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance like a helmet to protect your thoughts. And take the mighty, razor-sharp, spirit sword of the spoken word of God. Oh, so good. There's so much good news in that. And the good news is what it started out saying, that God provides it. God provides it. Again, you don't have to conjure it yourself. The good news is that God provides the truth. He is the truth. God provides the holiness. He's given you the blessings of peace and faith and power and deliverance and his spoken word. He has provided all of that. And the good advice is put it on. Wear it, embrace it, share it, go out. You got it. The good news is we have all of that because of him. And all we have to do is, how many of you have lived in cold weather? Right, you've lived in cold weather. Do you have a jacket? If you have a jacket, do you go out in cold weather without your jacket? No, you put your jacket on and then you go out and you face it. You have the jacket, put it on, wear it, go, right? That is the really good advice based on the good news that we have. 
And remember, no one here, I, I'm, I'm not trying to de diminish the idea of the importance of putting on, you know, the full armor of God. Like how many of us have heard, you know, sermons about putting it on? All I want to do here is highlight the fact that God has provided it. He's given it to us. And that makes it so much easier for us to just wear it and embrace it and share it with others, right? Everybody take a breath because we're going to wrap it up. Right here and right now, I'm almost done. All I want to say, all I have left for this morning is, no matter what circumstances you're facing, whether you are young or aged, <laughs> whether you are uh, raising little kids or sending teenagers out the door, as some of us are, it's a whole new world out there, right? Whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're married again, right? Whether you are working or not working, whether you're ashamed, regretful, insecure, fearful, worn out, lonely, no matter what, maybe you're happy. Maybe you're joyous. Maybe you're filled with great expectation for the, what the rest of today holds. No matter what your circumstances are, no matter what they are, you can keep the good news in your mind and in front of you and you can lead with that you can choose to face those circumstances remembering god's cascading love and lavish grace you can choose to remember that you are god's adopted delightful child nothing can change that nothing can separate you from that and, and no matter what you do, that is your lead. That is who you are. And I want you to remember this too, that that guy or that girl sitting next to you, right, whether they deserve it or not, <laughs> they are welcome to that same lavish grace and cascading love. And you get to share that with them Share the good news that you have with them. Share it. It's important. I love you guys. I really do. I love being here with you. Um, I love getting the chance to spend a few minutes, hopefully encourage you to read your Bibles a little bit, maybe read it a little bit differently, because it's actually a really good book. It really is. It's really good. It's worth a read. Just remember to keep the ending in mind. Keep the beginning that he created in love, keep the middle, keep keep the end, keep all keep in mind that God is love. That cuz that really is the end of this really great story. If you guys would do me the favor of standing up while I pray, we are done for the day. Almost, I guess. Dear Lord, thank you for all that you are. Again, this morning, Lord, we can't say thank you enough. Thank you for all that you've given us, all that you've done for us. And Lord, I pray that today as we walk out, we will remember who you are and who we are in you. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen.